Welcome to the latest episode of the Transformers podcast. Today, we're actually going to be reviewing a children's book for the Transformers called Transformers Battle for Earth. Joining me is Thomas and Sammy. Sammy, before we begin, would you like to tell us how you got into Transformers uh, first off? So I had a very strange way of getting into Transformers because I didn't grow up with this. Got into it about five or six years ago now. And I had attempted to watch Transformers Prime because my friend really wanted me to. And I was like, eh, it's okay. And then my other friend was like, hey, Transformers animated? I'm like, all right, all right, I like this. I like the screaming guy. I don't know what his deal is, but, like, he's good. He good. Hell yeah. Um, (laughs) And so I ended up binge-watching TFA and then went back to watch Transformers Prime, finished both of those, already super obsessed, and then went back to go watch G1. So I went, like, completely (laughs) backwards. So what were your thoughts on G1 Starscream, especially after watching two versions of him already? (laughs) Um, I still love him. He's still a precious little dumb bean. <laughs> um, yeah. he definitely, uh, surpre- like, there. there's definitely a consistency with his character. G1 is probably the dumbest out of all of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> see, I'm starting to see that myself. Yeah, I guess, well, I guess, I don't know. When I started off with Beast Beast Wars, he wasn't really in that. Uh, but yeah. then, I guess the first time I really got to watch a complete series from start to finish was with Prime, and then having to like come back to G One, and this is what he actually was from the start. It was like eh, he's definitely a lot dumber than he was in <laughs> in Prime. Like in Prime, I feel like he has a lot more a lot more better plans and able to further those plans a lot uh, much far compared to like the stuff in, in, in for sure, for just sure. making blunders and stuff like yeah. that but he's being used as a dumb plot device just to you know yeah like he'll openly say i will rule one day and then the megatron's just like yeah whatevs he's like i really don't care you've been saying that since day one and i don't give it why yeah. just stop <laughs> yeah is the way he's portrayed in g1 all just kind of unique compared to other series do they always kind of give him do they use him much much better than other series or is he kind of dumb and it, okay. it, it just it just all right, it just so, doesn't matter. It's just random how he's used. Okay, so... Outside of the Transformers movies, the Michael Bay stuff, where he is just okay, a so dummy. <laughs> I'll go off real quickly. I really liked Transformers Armada Starscream hmm. because yes. it's actually the complete opposite of regular Starscream. He's completely loyal and faithful to Megatron. Oh, really? So what happens is when Megatron uses him as a decoy where he could possibly die, he suddenly starts to lose faith in the Decepticon cause and actually joins the Autobots for a while befriending one of the humans at the end megatron actually gives him amnesty if he'll return within 24 hours (laughs) and like no crimes he'll be resolved and just and because he feels he belongs there he just joins but he's been changed by what he's seen on both sides of the war and at the end of like starscream actually has a character arc in armada and because of starscream's character arc he's actually able to change megatron and give him a character arc i don't want to spoil it for armada 
but mm. it was just a really good storyline, and I like his. Uh, that was my favorite version of Starscream is is Armada and Prime Starscream, basically. Okay. I also will say that every Starscream has had a perfect voice. <laughs> like I don't know how they do it. Every time the voice casting is just perfect for that Starscream. Yeah, that's good to hear. Because I guess when I started with Prime, I, I that was the first thing I noticed. Like his voice is a, a lot different, but. I mean, the voice actor, I, I wish I knew the name, the guy's name, but... I so mean, here's... Okay, so here's something hilarious. Good. I've been watching Beast Wars 2 from Japan. Japan. And the main evil villain is Galvatron, and he has a brother called Megastorm, who is... <laughs> get this. Are you serious? And basically, Megastorm acts like all kind of like obedient and stuff. And kind of whiny sometimes, uh, like he's a little brother character. But then as soon as, you know, Galvatron's done, he becomes pure evil. And he's basically just a recolor of Generation 2 Megatron. And then, and yet they have Starscream, even though this is the future, another Starscream working with them, who's like a black jet. And he, instead of, his character is making sarcastic comments of praise, which are not very well hidden, even though he seems loyal all the time. But... Uh, I think they're setting up that he's maybe trying to betray both of them, but just not early on, because I've only watched the first five episodes. Basically, it's only fun to watch the Decepticons, like all Japanese (laughs) Transformers. You just like to watch the Decepticons and how they screw over each other. Yeah. So on that note, let's get to the the book. To read along with us on this podcast, or to read the book before we look at it, you can go to camphortree.net slash tf slash books. That's camp h-o-r tree and click on the Marvel Hardcovers link. So before we start the actual story, let's talk about the eight-page prologue. So this is now our third origin of the Transformers. What did you all think? Oh, well, it was a thing that happened. (laughs) Uh, I just, I, I, I shrug. I don't know. I, there are a lot of teleportation issues where they're just, suddenly in places and i'm like how'd you get there how are we just suddenly here well how is that really a question i mean if you look at the opening cover you can clearly see that all these planets are just you know a couple of blocks away from each other (laughs) oh yeah the the main page is really psychedelic and awesome there's just planets of multiple colors everywhere and i wonder if these two things are the giant asteroids that they're trying to prevent from destroying cybertron who knows (laughs) <laughs> just a, just a colorful asteroid field that's yeah remember how in, you were like two asteroids just collide randomly <laughs> and in this book it says no no the asteroids were on a collision course with cybertron and they were trying to stop it when megatron intervened one thing i find hilarious is that optimus prime's like oh hell we're gonna lose well i'll just kill us all then <laughs> yep. like, whoa what the heck I totally... I, and i i like i love their explanation for just changing into the vehicles uh, what was what was the reason? There was none. Oh. There was no reason. <laughs> <laughs> this is... <laughs> I just uh, Mirage changed into a sports car, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so this book, Battle for Earth, I had this since I was five I, or three, I think, because it came out in 1985, and I was and I was born in 1982. So I've had this book since as as long as I can remember, and I actually have the physical book in front of me. And so as a kid, I thought this was really cool because this is what got me into like thinking Devastator was the best Transformer ever, you know, aside from Shockwave. But looking back at it now, this is one of the worst children's books of all time. And I'll tell you why. So Transformers are described. Okay, so let me go back. Okay, so when you write a story and you write text and you have 
an advent, uh, a book with art in it, you want to match the art with the descriptions, right? <laughs> Am I? Let me play devil's advocate here. What do you think, Thomas, as a business executive at you know Books Incorporated? I mean, it's a children's book. I mean, it, it, it'll help you know kids follow along if if there's a picture of what you're describing. How else, it'll help them learn okay. with the words that are on the page and stuff like that. Okay, none of that happens. So. <laughs> What happens is they'll be describing a transformer that says so and so says this, and then that person, that transformer, will not be anywhere on the art of those two-page spreads because each page in this book for is a is a two-page spread. Yeah, I mean that is kind of what I'm noticing. It's just that I I can't really tell if this is supposed to be just a vehicle for art or if they're actually is this, this can't I mean, be a I guess vehicle kind for of, art. What kind of kids was this aimed at? Like, what was the age group? Because there's yeah. giant blocks of text, and they're telling a pretty long, detailed story, like a normal ch- kids' book for like you know, mm-hmm. two, three, four years old. There's not. There's only a couple of sentences per page with art, <laughs> but this is just like I. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot. Several paragraphs. Yeah. What do you? And that yeah. kind of just plays into the issue that you're talking about. They're mm-hmm. telling all this. Uh, they're, they're going through all this dialogue and describing all these events, but you only have the two pages. And they're trying, and obviously, I guess they want to limit the number of pages. So, like, you know, the picture kind of starts off being told on the first couple of sentences, but then it just goes way beyond what the picture shows. So I actually looked, and there are some Transformers that show up in the text that are never drawn, and there are some Transformers that are drawn and never described in the text. They're just and there, they're hanging out. What's ridiculous is. There's no descriptors. There's no, like, mirage, the white vehicle, or the guy with the red, like, you know, ball cap or something. It's just, this guy said, so you won't be able to look at the art and be, who is it? Where is he? Like, he won't, he won't see it. Don't you know that just everybody knows Transformers? So what I found is, Shockwave is shown, but never described about. Laserbeak is described about, but never has a picture anywhere. And then Grapple and Roadbuster are both described but never drawn. And I actually wrote for my notes on Grapple, who the F? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know who that guy is because he was not in, in, the, in the original first season. And Roadbuster is owned by a completely different company in Japan. So he was never actually drawn into the series because otherwise when it would go air in Japan, they'd be advertising for a different company. So they actually told Oops. Marvel... Of America never to include him in the actual animated show for advertising purposes. Wow. So, yeah, I think that's just really bizarre. I mean, I enjoyed the, uh, there were, there's one page that's like, all 35 Autobots came after the Decepticons, and I'm like, there are, I think, three. There are three <laughs> on this page. Like... Now, I also noticed that a lot of these, except for Jazz and Optimus Prime and Megatron, it almost seemed like there was an editorial mandate to like, alright, everyone gets one line of dialogue and or a description of what they're doing slash fighting. That was it, just to sell the toy. Like, here we go, they said a thing. The art doesn't have to match what's being told, just sell it. Yep. God, and also the art is, I I don't know whether I should like it or not, because their vehicle forms are, like, technically good, but nothing is appealing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not visually attractive. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's it's technically good art. But if I was a kid, and there's just absolutely no offense to you, um, but if I was a kid, like, I just, I wouldn't understand. I'd just be like, why? What is happening? See, the, see I don't know if I'm I knew. I'm a very judgmental kid. Yeah. See, I don't know if I knew or not, because I had three of the tapes on VHS, this book, and some of the first six comic books. I don't know when I got what ahead of time, but I remember, like, all of those mostly together so i think maybe i just already knew 
Though, one error that I think is hilarious is on the cover, you'll notice that Sideswipe is attending the Decepticon meeting. <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... Oh. He's like, yes, that's right, Megatron. I'm totally down with this plan. <laughs> um, hmm. Uh, Somebody didn't know their uh And I didn't know Shockwave traveled with them as well. Yeah, he's not in the book. <laughs> he's on the cover, <laughs> but not in the book. And also, Soundwave is... I mean, Sideswipe is on the cover, but inside the book, he's colored with blue highlights. The coloring is also all over the place. Like, I'm yes. pretty sure the Seekers are, are still incorrectly colored. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I had to ask myself, is this an educational book? Just the way Megatron's at this map of the Earth and just like, it's like teaching a class, kind of. He's like, everybody, everybody's, all the students are down below listening. Now we're going to attack Uruguay. It's like, wait, where is Uruguay? All right, let me start with a description of South America. <laughs> I, I probably got that completely wrong. Giant scope to use. <laughs> well, like, is the map even of anything? that's supposed to be recognizable because oh. look, at the, oh, look at the map in the story does it match this the map on the cover oh you mean the, the globe that's yeah. on the cover are they no 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 cover? no the map on the on the board later where he's like oh my uh God. like because oh no it doesn't match at all it's just new york city so <sighs> yeah that's awesome it's still drawn with the same color palette though and the same pose <laughs> <laughs> so uh any last thoughts on the origin story before we go over the actual story? Can we talk about the origins of the humans? Because they're they're important. They're always important. I yeah. always like to bring them up. Are, are are they? Did we did we get an intro? We did, we got an intro with them, but they did not. Yeah, their intro. They're was... not on the page. <laughs> so <laughs> they met the humans. The end. I guess I'm <laughs> confused. Like like as we know, like I don't really have like a good history with G1. So maybe this question isn't valid. But isn't Sparkplug's son named Spike? But they call him Buster in this book. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me. I think according to continuity, they. They were supposed to be two separate people, and then the comics were like, you know what? It's his brother later. And we're Buster like, is it. his brother? I don't know. So that was my question. Because so one... yeah, I don't, I, yeah, that's the thing. I just don't know enough about the original Transformers to say what is what. I'm, I was like, okay, Buster, okay, I'm going with that. But then you were talking about like there's a Road Buster as well. It's like I hope they don't just start calling Road Buster Buster and just like confuse me even further. Well, I just call the... RB. <laughs> I just remember in the comics, they're they're both used and they're just brothers. Just the creators of this book. They also do not like Spike at all, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We'll just okay. replace it with another boring boy. <laughs> One thing I think would be fun to do is to place all these books in the continuity of the cartoon and come up with reasons how they fit. To come up with justify, to, to justify them in the continuity. It's like something like this is easy. Like if you say Buster and Spike, you could just be like, oh, Buster's the nickname or Spike's the nickname. Done. Problem solved. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, some things will be more complicated. Why wouldn't he have a family? But... Maybe Buster Spike is just off at school or something. <laughs> or out hanging out. It's just a Sunday. He could be doing, like, watching football around the corner or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would work, because I thought Spike's vehicle, I guess, is Bumblebee, oh, while yeah. Buster's is Jazz. Jazz. In this story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh -oh. Jazz got promoted to the caretaker, the human caretaker. He gets so offended later on that I loved it. <laughs> yeah. He's not having a whole lot of fun with it. He's always he's telling Buster that stuff is boring. Are we gonna go race some people? And, and Buster's like, No, we're not gonna do this. Let's just go look at this building. <laughs> yeah. So that that is the part of the story. The story starts now. 
Uh, yes, I were jumping ahead. Okay, so the beginning of the story is, for some reason, there's two pages of, hey, Global Corp is such an awesome company. Here's this entire backstory with not what you paid to buy this book for. And I'm like, what is going on? Just just like, pouring some coffee. Just just thinking about the global buildings. Yay! And then Buster's like, I'm going to have some fun. So I'm going to go look at a construction site of a building <laughs> that I want to see, even though it's not built yet. And they're, just, they're just breaking ground on it. Let's go look at this building that does not exist. <laughs> they even had a mayor and gave the mayor a name. I'm like, what? I was like, oh my God, everything's got a backstory in here. Except for the things that are important. <laughs> So uh so what happens next? Uh yeah, you know, Buster gets to the site and he's just like, Man, look at all these cool vehicles that don't look suspicious at all, eh, Jazz? And Jazz is like, boy. Oh, the, well here's the thing. He left Jazz three right blocks. Here. He left Jazz three blocks away to, in a parking garage that was comfortable for him. And... Now, not only comfortable, safe <laughs> for the giant talking robot loaded with weapons. We have to keep him safe. That was very important. They they that's they made clear that they needed to keep him safe. So, Can't overlook that. Here's the thing: is Jazz right. is not there to see that they are the Constructicons. First of all, Buster's too stupid to notice the symbols of the Decepticons on the on them. And then Jazz later says, "I smelled the Decepticons there," and I was like, "You were never there. How do you even know that the Decepticons were there? You didn't see it." And then Optimus is just like, "Well, let's go attack their base." I was like, "When did you know the base was there? Did you just have been ignoring it for weeks until you had a?" reason to attack them i'm like oh my god no the continuity is like eh, they just know where things are it's fine and then suddenly they're in oregon or were they just always in oregon that's where the humans live i assume oh isn't uh did, did i miss that? no mount saint not mount saint helens is in oregon right i yeah is it you know because uh this is a this is a transformers podcast not a geography podcast because <laughs> remember the, the the mountain is supposed to be mount st helens without calling it mount st helens, they so. they're actually in a small town in oregon they say that at the beginning yeah oh shoot okay so, yeah, sorry i just place. missed a thing i'm dumb <laughs> and i like how it describes to the reader what's going on it's, oh my god these vehicles are driving without drivers <laughs> Like, it's such a big deal. Like, hold on. We expect you to know the names of all these Transformers, but we don't expect you to know that the robots don't have drivers. I mean, you got to tap into that market, all those different markets, especially the market where <laughs> you're a child who doesn't watch children's cartoons but only reads children's books. <laughs> like me when I was possibly... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there are people out there that this was their first introduction. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure, like, when you're a kid, this is just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. They they were in places, and you don't question it, and you're like, it's yeah. fine. Autobots be beat the Decepticons. Yay! Does anybody want to talk about the awesome plan of Megatron before I break it down? <laughs> and his awesome board. What is it called again? Isn't it just the war room? I don't know. He keeps... Oh, no, sorry. It's, it is. It's the Destructor board. The Destructor board. <laughs> to be used on Destructicon day <sighs> are you rolling your eyes right uh, now don't forget the destructor button that he's gonna push <laughs> I, I like i think i blocked it out of my mind <laughs> so i was just like oh yeah he did name it that because uh, it just sounds like it almost sounds like a board game it's like tr keep track of your points and your kills on the destructor board 
I but, mean, but he's like, clearly I'm... having fun with it because the text says, Negatron's robotic finger wandered dangerously close to the, bu- the to the destructor button as he shouted. He's just like playing around with the button like he's so eager to push. He's like, I can't wait. I can't wait to push this button. And here's a, here's a continuity error already within the story. He says, I'm going to trap five million people. And then later when he activates it, four and a half million people are captured and then released. But I wonder if it's because he was already predicting the next site he was going to build. I guess that next building was going to house 500,000 people? I mean... I think it's more of a... I don't want to say trapping 4.5 million people. 5 million just it sounds better when you're just angrily, like, waving your arms. Not angrily. Excitedly I mean, waving your arms around. So here's the thing that I don't get is his... Megatron's master plan here is he has 98 sites of Freedom Corporation, or just Freedom, and this is an insanely long and drawn-out plan because he has 98 sites... Where if we're assuming only the Constructicons are at each site, has got to take at least a year or more. I know they can build fast. They're robots. They can work all night. But here's the thing. I just want to know how they got the materials for this, the money, the permission. Worked under the radar. Nobody questioned it. Did Megatron just, like, hound this one company? Or I think he actually started his own company. (laughs) I imagine he learned how to do, like, earth finances, and he he made a corporate entity. I'm imagining him, like, threatening some human to say, You, I will transform into a gun, and you will take me into that class on business administration. (laughs) Maybe he just got, like, an education on tape and just listened to it. Maybe that's like, why the plan is so bad. I mean, it's it's not... It's, I just, I, it's the only evidence I see is, like, he actually had to call... Like, start his own company to do this. He calls the company Freedom. Is that, like, a dig at Optimus Prime because he later says freedom is the right of all sentient beings in this story? Is that, like, an underhanded comment to Optimus? I, maybe. I'm He's sure. To, like, I'm sure it is. I don't is. know, like, sully his name. If this plan does go wrong, just know that anybody's talking about freedom. Don't trust that guy. Because uh, Optimus I mean, was talking about, he was giving a rah-rah speech at the beginning of the book about freedom and stuff like that. So I mean, also, if you're trying to convince humans about, like, your business and your, your business is called freedom, they're like, oh, I mean, it's such a pleasant oh, yeah. business. Yeah, we gotta be really like, patriotic. Never question anything they do. They're obviously yeah. not gonna be evil. Yeah. Like, like the guy trapped 98 different buildings. 40, <laughs> almost 5 billion people. Uh. <laughs> this entire plan, like, originally reading it, I was like, actually, you know what? I think that might have been one of your smartest moves. But then thinking about it more, I just like, there are so many plot holes. Yeah, especially having them all tied to, like, one button. <laughs> yeah. What if somebody accidentally stepped on it or, like, pressed it? Oh, whoops, there goes my hip. Oh, there goes five million people. Also, the thing that's hilarious is, you know, Jazz and Buster at the start of the story, and then they see they, they're the impetus for the story. They're like, oh, the Constructicons. We should go attack their base. When In a real story, they would have followed them to the base with good writing. And then later, you know, he's like, oh, I smelled Decepticons. I know what they smell like. So I don't know if, if that's, you know, Autobot racism or not. And then later, they just go and like, boom, Buster's gone and Jazz is gone from the story. I think Jazz might have one more line, but I'm like, does, does anyone not know what writing means? You have a character and you follow him, even if you have all these other characters. Like, like what are least... these other characters you speak of? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, even in some of the other kids' books that we looked at, or maybe it was the book on tape, but yeah. Even they followed a handful of characters throughout the whole thing instead of just this character. This this character is kind of like central to the establishing the plot, but he... But we're only going to use them for like a couple of pages and just forget about them completely. I really don't get why this book decided to do that. Well, this was one of the first books, I think. But no, but seriously, okay, so I want to hear from both of you. What characters actually stand out in this book that you remember after reading it, if you remember anything about it? Jazz. Rumble. That's it. Rumble. Oh, yeah. I'll let you go ahead first, Sammy. Well, I think, I, 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 I think that was it. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, Rumble, he stood out to me not necessarily for good reasons, unsurprisingly. What did he do? Like, I'm sitting here, like, (laughs) racking my brain. Wait, wait. Or was that a different? I think that was a different book. I think you got confused. Oh yeah, that I'm, was that. Uh, yeah, that was. All the right, you're point. gonna have to sit in the corner for a minute. All right, let's continue. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I I um I feel like I would have remembered this, and I'm scrolling back and forth <laughs> like. Okay, so back huh. to so here's another uh indication of Autobot racism. Ah, don't you know, Optimus? We're corporate and good now, <laughs> but Optimus knows no Decepticon would ever try to earn an honest living. <laughs> I was just like, wow. All right. All right, Optimus. Not all Decepticons are the same. They might want to destroy things, but, you know, one of them's got to have a job. <laughs> Character's just not set. He's, like, suicidal. He's, like, racist. I love how also, like, this following panel. I think that's Ratchet. Oh, God. Yeah, no, it's Ratchet. Yeah. Like, just softly touches Prowl's arm. Hello. Don't don't shoot the gun. <laughs> yeah. And he's just... looking at him with thoughtful eyes. Is that what you're telling me to do? Like, Prowl? <laughs> He's got a sort of grumpy I, face. Ratchet's like, Mm-mm. I don't know. I disapprove. Like, I, I don't like. I've just been staring at that panel for a while, just being like, "Who drew this? Why did they draw it like this? What was their thinking behind this?" <laughs> All I'm thinking is, luckily, this was an era before slash fiction, <laughs> <laughs> or was it? <laughs> so, and I, but I guess okay. also in that very same panel, I guess they're. Finally, I guess Prowl initially was figuring out Megatron's secret evil plan. <laughs> this displayed in brightly lit colors on his board. <laughs> and yet somehow, Megatron's history, the giant board that they're standing next to, this all was shocking enough for Prowl to scramble his circuits. He almost, he was glitching out <laughs> yeah. that Megatron would do something this evil. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, how do they have all this, this these years, these decades, hundreds of years of history, and but then, oh no. You know Megatron's why? on something evil. His brain couldn't process that the Decepticons were deceiving them. They were always so open they, about yeah. their evil before. They have open evil plans. They never have secret evil plans. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe he's so shocked at how stupid the plan is that he couldn't believe it. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah, no, I can, I can agree with that one. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> so in this story, when they catch on, Megatron's just like, oh, they're on to us. And he releases some giant trap door that releases all the Autobots because he built his base on a cliff and uh, half of it's off the cliff so he can make trap doors for when the Autobots arrive, I guess. So anyway, they it's fall the out and then he activates the destructor board early and kidnaps four and a half million people across 98 buildings. And the units just don't give in, even though we don't know how to respond. But Optimus is like, yeah, I have a plan. We're just going to shoot at the wall and make our own door. What do you think of that brilliant strategy, Sammy? Uh, please insert like Starstream screaming noise, like right here. Oh, he screams? No, no, I'm just that's that's my emotion. Oh. This because uh. I I I I caramba. I don't know. I got I got nothing just because like it, it. This entire time, Optimus does not have a plan. Like he is just rolling with things. He's just like, let's attack just, this. Now let's attack the wall. Now let's attack 
more Decepticons. Like, it's fine. Let's have all 35 of us attack him, even though we're not here. Like, 20 of them aren't here, but pretend that they're doing something, I guess. Apparently, all 35 of them fell through that stupid hole as well. Yeah. (laughs) So, apparently, they, while all these humans are kidnapped, they go back up to try to fight them again. And all of a sudden, Devastator appears. This giant, towering robot that's three times or so their size. And uh, then they all battle. And they get thoroughly defeated. Very so thoroughly. how can they win against such unstoppable odds? Clearly Dinobots, because Dinobots just fix everything. You mean Dasas Machina bots? Yeah, so I guess from? here's more of my G1 ignorance. The book says that they've never seen anything like Devastator before. Even in the Were G1... Constructicons ever in Cybertron? Do they just exist? They show up in the first season of Episode 2. And Megatron's like, ah, it's a good thing we built these new Constructicons before they later retconned that Cybertron is the only way to make life later. And then they later retconned it again by going, oh, yes, when the Constructicons lived on Cybertron. And you're like, what? Nobody really paid attention to continuity too much. Just retcon after retcon in its own show. Yeah. Kind of like how they retconned the Dinobots into the story when they said, before they said, all 35 Autobots went to go fight at the base. Oh, there's 39. Uh, yeah, apparently there's 39. While they were all losing the Devastator, the Dinobots appear randomly just to save them. So what ends up defeating Devastator? Well, at least in the picture, it looks like they blow his head off. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, do you know how he was destroyed? I thought it was still by the Dinobots. Yeah, yeah was... 5,000 pounds of dynamite. It was one of the Dinobots. <laughs> one. It just I... dropped a bunch of dynamite right uh... on top of his head. And that's it. Don't tell five-year-old Sean Murphy that his favorite character got taken out in one blow back when he was enjoying this book. Not even with Cybertronian weapons. Just some dynamite they found lying around. Oh, you want Cybertronian weapons? Well, Red Alert has, well, super hearing. So let's go on to something cooler. (laughs) Roadbuster has a linear blaster in this story. Soundwave, a concussion blaster. And Windcharger, a magnetic field, which propels him away from Soundwave or something. Oh, and infrared energy is grapple. Oh, but here's an incorrect superpower. Mirage has the ability to teleport. I, I've just, I, like, I just read this, and this is, that's, this is how clearly that I remember the details of this. <laughs> is, I mean, that's one way to describe it. I Teleportation. <laughs> well, no, here's the thing is, who really has the power of teleportation? You don't remember? I don't remember. Okay, what about you, Sammy? Do you know? I I actually don't remember either. Uh, it's uh. Well, no, it's Sky. Well, like I know it's Skywarp, but then yeah. I don't know anybody else. Yeah, it's Skywarp supposed to be the teleporter, not Mirage. Listen to his name. You know, he makes yeah. illusions. Yeah, it's an illusion technique. Mirages. He's an, he doesn't teleport anywhere. It's like how do you just, how do you just mess that up? I mean, these some of these are taken directly from the bio specs, so it's kind of hard to mess up like the little bio spec in front of you. I don't know. I but also it... want to know why it takes three people to destroy that war room because it was Mirage and then Optimus and then. I thought somebody else. No, I might have been wrong. Well, random people start Sorry, fighting. Sorry, it still takes Mirage and Optimus. <laughs> like, Mirage could have just done everything and then, like, gone home. And you're not even sure who Mirage is if you're reading this book for the first time and have no knowledge of Transformers. You don't know which one it is. You just got to pick one at random <laughs> and hope you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing really memorable about this other than, like, how bad it is. And then how does it end? How do they save the day? You just said Mirage... 
pushes the button to rise it back up and destroys the board. Mirage makes his announce- announcement, his proclamation. Mm-hmm. The war is over. <laughs> oh, he says the, war <laughs> the is- prisoners are free. The Devastator button is gone forever. And I like how Optimus is just like, well, battle's done. Let's just leave. Our they work just, is done. They just leave the Decepticons right there to cause more trouble again. Because they're like, well, that's all we needed to do. The war's over. They won the battle. So the war's over. <laughs> last, not, last page, the end. The Decepticons, they're honorable. They're, they'll recognize that. Well, like and yeah, that's literally the last page. That's it. I just, I love how Megatron is, yeah, we don't admit defeat. This isn't, we're not losing. And Optimus and, is just like, whatever i don't care what you say and then rolls out <laughs> yeah and the narrator the author kind of like tries to write that as an ex- explanation and just say like this is okay he says that but optimus prime did not need megatron's surrender the hostages was free and that was good enough for him he's not actually defeated we stopped his plan so obviously he's not going to do anything else that's good enough we did enough it's work end of the book free. guys <laughs> apathetic Autobots. The Decepticons are clearly telling them that we're not giving up, but eh, you you lost today, so whatever. The war's over. Like, I don't need your confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other funny thing I thought to be about, like, continuity was just, if you were to place this in the cartoon series, where would it go? Before Devastator appears in the cartoon or after? I guess we'd have to watch that episode to find out, you know, later if they're like, oh, we don't know who this character is when they say that here and in the next book, too. If it weren't for the humans in this book, I mean, mm-hmm. you might be able to place it somewhere justifiably, but it's kind of like the origin story and when they also meet the humans, it kind of like... I don't know. I feel like it kind of makes it hard to put this in a spot. Like, I, yeah, I would say before Devastator. You know what? No, I think it can still take place before they ever meet Devastator. They never said that this was the first battle or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So or they, they could they... just all have amnesia. But yeah, you could always just make, like, oh, they forgot. Because, you know, they have so many battles. They live millions of years. You know, everything runs together. Optimus doesn't care enough to remember. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not thinking about that anymore. The war's over. Yeah. We defeated Megatron. <laughs> wow. That, that'll make Everyone a great uh, continuity reason later. Just be like, eh, I don't remember that, so I can't tell if that was true or not. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Rodimus's excuse most of the time. Ah, uh, poor Rodimus. I really like I love his, him. really love his design. When it, my favorite Transformers have like maybe six of them, and like it's usually Rodimus and Cyclonus also from seasons three, which no one ever seems to care about most of the time. Yeah, I like Rodimus a lot though. My favorite character is Daniel. <laughs> Go home. Get out. Leave us. No, my favorite character is Japanese Daniel, <laughs> who whines like a, a, a you know what all the time. <laughs> but no, um, so. I did look up the writers and artists for this. Oh, no. So <laughs> the names I, are somewhere. Bunch, it won't actually... I wasn't able to find anything about them. Max Baum, he's a writer. the writer. I didn't find anything about him. But Brad I'm pretty Joyce, sure after he wrote this book, he was like, I'm never writing anything again, and then left. <laughs> Changed his name. Moved Brad, to another state. Brad Joyce actually worked on one other book for Transformers and actually worked on it with Steve Ditko of Marvel Comics. Huh. You can believe that. Yeah, Steve Ditko did transform some Transformers books. Interesting. And then Robert Elderman is the other artist, and her only other Transformers credit was the next book we're going to review. Roberta. I couldn't really find out anything they did that wasn't Transformers most of the time. Um, I mean, she's definitely got, like, a, a knack for, for drawing them. The only problem is when it says it's for two of them, it's hard to tell who's responsible for what, unless one is drawing it and the other's coloring it, maybe, but then... 
Yeah. Well, that's we know usually who how it is. did maybe the cover. Brad Kirk. That's He's got sweet. His, he put his little uh, signature on the cover of the book. You can see on uh, who is that? On a... what Autobot is hanging out in the Decepticon classroom. <laughs> the oh my room. god, the destructor button is there on the cover. Oh wow, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't in the book. Oh my god. That I've never he's noticed. He's got like his hand hovering over it while he's trying to teach the class. I've had this book. I've had this book since 1985, and I've never seen that button before. That's uh, hilarious. Uh, learning new things about my childhood all the time. Such a com- complex novel. You always go back. There's always something else to discover. I just I love how the the button size compared to his hand is just unreasonable. Like it's so small. Are you checking to see if he has a button in the actual in page? the other page? Yeah. No, he does. He does. I was wrong. I just it kind of blended in. Oh yeah, it does you have know, it, it there. It, it's smaller. It but... absolutely blends in though. It is kind of funny, though, how they're trying to copy the artwork from the cover on the page where he's in front of the board. And they do a pretty good job of replicating it, even though you can tell it's a slightly different artist. It looks almost identical. Yeah. It, it might even be a copy and paste, for all I know. Oh, uh, it's not. You, you can tell Oh, no, I definitely can tell now with the red leg. Scope. Yeah, the red leg is definitely got more dimension to it, shading and stuff like that. I've got to keep scrolling back and forth so I can't it. tell. What did you guys think of your first Transformers book experience? Thomas, we'll start with you. Um, I guess the first thing that jumps to my mind is a question that I guess I already know the answer to. Are you going to make me do more of this? <laughs> I mean, I just, it's fine. I, I mean, clearly with coming at it with an adult mindset, you a lot of stuff seems pretty ridiculous, but for a kid's book, I think it's just fine. I, I, I guess I don't know how entertained they'll be by the action scenes in the book and the fights and stuff like that with all the text that we talked about before there doesn't seem to be any like drawn out or detailed descriptions of like the actual battles and stuff like that there's just a couple of sentences that show like most of what of how the battles described is in the pictures themselves i like how optimus has lips where his faceplate should be in some of the pages <laughs> oh no some of the yeah, other, yeah, yeah on his like very first page when they land on earth if you look at that oh no hold yeah. on yeah i didn't yeah. notice you have to go see that oh. and burn it into oh. page uh, eleven. I see it. I see it, and I'm hurt. I I feel betrayed because it's back on the page before for some reason when he's and hanging the, out at the gas station. Yeah, the page before and the page right after is completely different than that one page. Maybe that's where the two artists was. They were like, "Here, you take the odd pages. You take the even." And someone else will color them, which oh. I would. <laughs> I almost wouldn't be surprised if that's it, because you look at Ratchet on this page, then look how he is when he's more closer up, and it looks really different. But yeah, Sammy, so your thoughts on the book, having experienced this, possibly your first Transformers book. It is, it is. Um, I also just noticed that Thundercracker's face on page 30 doesn't have all the lines, so he's just like this cat alien face. It's really bugging me. Yeah, this page <laughs> seems pretty problematic. The first thing I notice is that like Starscream's barely, he's barely there. Everybody's coloring is off. Well, here's the, we'll check the, the are weird off. smile that Megatron has. Well, check out the backgrounds. Like they confront Megatron. He's got all these orange grinders up on the ceiling. Even there, the Autobots room is like this giant pink meeting board room. And everywhere they fight is just all these rant. Like look at where they fight on page thirty-eight and thirty-nine. 
he's made this really weird catwalk that curves around or or maybe the artist doesn't understand how perspective works because it looks like it curves up and goes around and it looks like you can go under it it looks like you can go under it from foreshadowing but there isn't enough it almost looks like it just shrunk and so people are fighting below and on top of it even though they were standing on a clear space before this page happened so there's no continuity between pages even with the same thing is happening i also want a zoom in on like 3839 on again i think that's thundercracker but maybe what i don't know what the color is anyways (laughs) just just a disappointed look on his face just like oh Oh, they I colored... guess I have to shoot Autobots again. Uh, they colored Optimus's faceplate. It's blue. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, it's blue in a couple of pages. And that that it... one page with all the, there it uh, is again. the flyers. Yeah, page 31, it's blue there. Yeah, well. all the pages before that, it's actually clear and matches his windows yeah. and his face under it, which is probably why the person drew the mouth, because on the one page. Maybe he has three light, maybe he has two separate coverings for his lips. He just has to keep switching it <laughs> he out. Keeps switching him out. <laughs> But yeah, uh, this this book is uh, it was uh, it was an adventure. I learned a lot. Uh, <laughs> I apparently, I don't remember anything about it. I hope it didn't hurt your brain too much and I, I make you want to stop our uh, our Transformers adventure. No, no, no. The, I, I like I like bad things because I can still laugh at it. It's so bad. It's not that it's good, but it's enjoyable. Uh, <sighs> well, fortunately or unfortunately, we actually will continue. To our next episode, where we actually have a competent Transformers storytelling book. Oh my gosh. Yes. We're going to sign off for now and get to that one. And so this is Sean. Thomas. Sammy. And we'll see you with our next Transformers book, The Autobots Secret Weapon. Bum, bum, bum. Thanks for Steve-O Stonebreaker for hosting all these Transformer stories on his website. And thanks to the Derek that photo-scanned Battle for Earth for the site. 